Allgrail here again, in my new capacity as Chronicler. After the savage battle, the heroes recouped and investigated the fallout. Tulak discovered the power of Nakazaran's staff of necromancy. He used it to gently repose Shad's body in preparation for its return to his master above. Lady Gilda then pressed onward with little warning in an uncharacteristic but determined fashion. More cultists are encountered and defeated. Endless sparks in Lady Gilda, a moment of self-reflection in a dark place. She is strong, but her strength constantly sapped. She must persevere. They all must. I inform the heroes of the restricted collection and how it contains many useful books on the topics they wish to research. A thin silver lining, perhaps, in the day's events. Continuing their explorations, they discovered another troubled apparition in a room once used for transcriptions. Tulak's conversational skills do not manage to sway the ghost to reveal or depart, but he at least avoids hostilities. This is when they dare to head further down, to the level below, where I dare not follow. I'm told they found a cavern with a pavilion, a wolf, and a man, both with a dangerous and deadly look in their eye, and as feral as the other. So, today, a lovely event happened, something that is, or has become rare, sadly, and uh, went up for a bit of lunch with James and, wow. his, and his lovely, his lovely fiance, uh, who I hadn't sat at the same table with for quite a long time, uh, thanks to COVID action. Possibly three years. Possibly three years since the three of us sat together. I can count up probably on one Jeez. hand the amount of times I've seen James face-to-face uh, all through COVID. And yeah. uh, Jess, probably the same amount, but always separate, oh, nearly always separate. And um, the uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. It was fun. It was a little belated uh, birthday lunch, and uh, there was some coffee. There was some coffee going. We got to talking about coffee a little bit as well. And then uh turns out uh, Scott has something to say about coffee today, and I uh, figured we should talk about coffee 
let's talk about coffee and its role in in our lives. Uh, can we start with James, please? Because I know it's a, it's a very large role in James' life. <laughs> yeah, coffee's uh, coffee's my lifeblood. Not only is it my favorite <laughs> beverage, like just the flavor profile and how unique, uh, you know, thirty seconds in an oven a roast can can make. Uh, it really does control my life. Um, <laughs> I need at least a liter. In, in the mornings before I can even <laughs> handle another human being. Oh, uh, as we touched on in, in our morning ritual uh, <laughs> uh, intro, I just, I can't. Yeah. Also, sorry to interrupt you. When we did our last meal on death row, coffee was one of your items there. Yeah, yep. I yep. I absolutely love this stuff. I love it in any form. Uh, like we're, we're looking for a new place right now. And one of the caveats is having a larger kitchen and, one of the main reasons for that is so I can finally get a, like even a single group espresso machine, just so I can have this variation of my ability to produce different types of coffee. So I, I absolutely love this stuff. I had a delightful latte from this place <laughs> down in fourth today and um, my usual leader of dark roast first thing in the morning. <laughs> How do you do your leader? Is it French press? Uh, yeah, uh, we're a French press over? house. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to move into pour over. I mean, ideally, I would just move into Americanos solely because mm-hmm. espresso just has this this whole different flavor profile of of ground mm-hmm. coffee. Yeah. Mm, so good. But I like the ritual of the French press and, and pour over just takes up way too much room. And like I said, we have a very, very small mm. kitchen. It's a galley kitchen and we both love to cook and we both love to make drinks. And it's just, yeah, it is not <laughs> suitable for us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Scoot? Well, I am jacked up on coffee right now. <laughs> Tell us why. <laughs> At work today, I was working on a broken water main outside of a Starbucks, and boy, did they not stop bringing us hot coffee all day because <laughs> it was getting rainy at the end of the day, and they felt bad for us. Yeah, and also probably just wanted us to finish faster. Yes, so they were just <laughs> pumping us full of yeah, little Pike Place. It's awesome. Did you toss them a few bucks or what? No. <laughs> no, Don't make all me sound cheap. Free, free, free coffee, coffee all day. <laughs> Didn't even toss them a couple bucks. Who carries cash when you're working construction? <laughs> you could have you just know. stopped at who carries cash. <laughs> That's true. Like we weren't allowed to use it for two years. I thought I, I, Scott, I, I'm not gonna lie. I pegged you as someone who keeps a wad in his sock like a filthy animal, but, uh, but I guess not. Yeah, I mean, I used to when I used to bartend. I had a cigar box full of cash underneath oh, yeah. my bed. Uh, but uh, don't bring it in my apartment because it doesn't exist anymore. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah. But when it comes to coffee, I thoroughly enjoy coffee. I don't drink milk, so I take all my coffee with oat milk, and it is delicious. Lattes, americano mistos—that's my new thing. So, so hipster. Anyone can get it. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, that non-dairy nonsense. I don't. Uh, I can't do dairy either, Scott. So I live. I live for oat milk, and I'm so glad that almond milk has become like commonplace in in cafes because I can't have regular dairy. Yeah, fuck milk, (laughs) Duncan. You 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 have to you have to deal with awkward times for this recording because we hate you for some reason, um, and possibly hate yourself. How's coffee treating you? (laughs) Let me just put on my best coffee snob voice for a second here. <laughs> I like to wake up around 6.30 in the morning and take a big pile of wet, wet 
dirt and shove it right in my mouth. <laughs> if I don't have that wet, wet dirt, I am going to murder somebody because that is called chemical dependence. <laughs> if you're going to do an impression of me, own it up front. Then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I love coffee. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also big on the French press. Actually, I'm, I'm big on like the little like tabletop espresso thing it's not exactly an espresso machine but just that little kind of like angular double boiler thing that you can put on a oh yeah 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 the uh the, the espresso thing? pot yeah the little italian espressos yeah, yeah. i fucking love that we have yeah, one of those too it's so good yeah uh yeah there's a coffee maker out of toronto i think called balzacs that i really really love um but other than that i am not a snob anything that can give me that sweet sweet caffeine buzz yeah when did everyone start drinking coffee at what age would you say uh, 14 i started working at a gas station that gave us all the free coffee we wanted so that'll do it yeah i was 12 it was the first day of weekend rehearsals for the high school play and somebody did a timmy's run and asked me if i wanted anything and i wanted to sound <laughs> cool and older so i asked for a coffee black and boy did i regret it <laughs> Listeners, Tim Hortons is hot garbage. Don't come oh, here for it. Don't. And no, if you do, don't. do not drink it black. Don't. Do yeah. not consider Canada one of Canada's like you know sort of um, touristy attractions to be Tim Hortons. It is an awful place. Awful, the donuts awful, are fine. Terrible. <laughs> Real Canadians go to McDonald's. I drink black <laughs> Tim Hortons coffee all the time. You're an Gross. animal, Scott. Yeah, that's Oof. to me. That's like drinking the liquid out of the bottom of my compost bin. <laughs> yeah, it's the one, like the yeah. one place I need anything in my coffee is. Really yeah, oh, yeah, man. I have to do. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think last time I had Tim Hortons, it was a single, what one and one, what whatever, whatever the kitschy name for that is in in Canada. <laughs> the regular, is it a regular? Un yeah. Un. yeah, it's a regular. Okay, Scott, what time? What age did you start? Uh, I started in university and then out of necessity and then I stopped and then I really picked it back up when I started working, uh, doing waterworks because mm, when mornings. you're under the ground in the rain, <laughs> first thing in the morning with heavy materials all around you and, you know, not necessarily real danger all the time, but the potential to get pretty hurt, uh, yeah. it helps to be alert. So that's fair. That's fair. Scott, Scott was in university at age 11, by the way. <laughs> He's the Doogie Hauser of public works. <laughs> I wish, dude. No, I've got an unused uh, humanities degree just sitting in my back pocket, baby. Waiting for that, you think that would, humanities uh, job to come along? You'd think that would be uh, more useful for you being more understanding of the NPCs, but no, no. <laughs> They're all the enemy to you. Just because it's called humanities doesn't have to mean that I have to be a humanitarian. <laughs> a good person. <laughs> mm -mm. It was oh. just a really expensive four-year party. Oh. Uh, like like a number of things in my uh, in my life, I I started quite late. Uh, uh, may have mentioned before, I grew up Mormon, and Mormons have uh, something we won't get into, but they have a, a weird weird um, stigmatism attached to coffee and caffeine. And uh, so there was absolutely none in my life for a long, long time. And uh, I didn't start drinking it until I moved to Vancouver. So I was like 27, 28 years old. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, I still just drink it mostly out of habit. I do enjoy it, but I don't have like a mad love for it and the whole ritual and everything. Uh, I actually do a little bit. COVID gave me a little bit of a ritual with the French press, which I do kind of enjoy early morning. But 
But otherwise, I went from drinking coffee with a boatload of cream in it to lattes to now I just drink it black no matter what, wherever I go. I don't want anything. I actually dislike any kind of milk or foam or sugar or anything in it. I think it's weird and gross. And I'm like, no, uh, just let me taste the coffee. Black as the as the night sky. Thank you. If and... I can just make... Sorry, are you done? No, I no. cut you off. If I can make <laughs> one... <laughs> You're done. I'm just raring to talk right now. I apologize. <laughs> Scott is just... He's ready to bounce. jacked up. <laughs> Listeners, we're going to record two episodes in a row. If, this, if the next... If in two weeks' time, the next episode is a real drag on Scott's end, you'll know why. <laughs> The other time I drank a lot of coffee was when I was serving and we would drink a lot of shafts, which is a Victoria drink, which is espresso, Bailey's, Kahlua, vanilla vodka over ice. Drank it. Drank as a shot. Drunk? Drunk. As a, drunk. drunk as Quaffed. a shot? Quaffed. Consumed. Consumed <laughs> as a shot with a straw <laughs> over ice. And uh, yeah, we would drink about 30 of those a night. And uh, it was good times. My buddy oh, even had them at his wedding. It was amazing coffee i think that is just a recipe on how to give yourself a heart attack pretty much that's that's what i was thinking <laughs> no that was jagger bombs when i was 19 yeah jagger bombs. okay <laughs> do it. that's gonna come to bite Oof. me in the ass at some point i'm pretty sure because drinking like five red bulls in an evening <laughs> was probably not a good idea bad news bears yeah. you get a lot of city miles on you bud <laughs> i wish you could say i didn't but i have well, we didn't have Red Bull in the small town that I grew up in. We we, we had this thing called Balls, B-A-W-L-S. Oh, Balls, yeah, I remember And it balls. came in like a blue ribbed oh, bottle. Yeah. Uh, like we couldn't even get Jolt Cola until I was in high school. Oh like, my God. Can I, I didn't want to make any any crude jokes earlier, but can I just say that it's amazing that we've, we've, we've talked about uh, caffeinated beverages and Duncan's brought, brought up a brand called Balzac and you've just brought up Balls. <laughs> well, Balzac it's... is either named after the Japanese misfit metal band or the French <laughs> philosopher Balzac. So it's not really a whole lot to make fun of. Or it's an actual like surname that people have. Yeah. You know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty nice. sure that's it. Yeah. Shout out yeah. Balzac. I mean, shout out Balzac. Balzac. If you're Balzac no, out Biggie. there listening right now, shout yeah. out to you. <laughs> It's been quite some time since I've had it, so if it's wrong, shout out whatever company I'm in. <laughs> force and edit upon I would uh, say it's worth it, but just to give the 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 misfit, uh, well, essentially misfit ripoff Japanese band Balzac a shout out is is worth keeping this in because they're fucking rule. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, while we're at it, uh, the Japanese band Maximum the Hormone, who's like a metal band. Yes. I love those guys. <laughs> I wish they had more going. Oh, man. Well, speaking of being a high alert. Ooh. It's an okay segue, eh? Yeah. I'll take no, it. It didn't, it, it, it didn't garner that response from me. <laughs> it sounded like red alert, and I love that game. So. You've stepped into level four of the gauntlet, or the abomination vaults, I should say. Uh, you know of one place for sure that uh, you have yet to complete above, but you've managed to take your first step and foray into the next level. And what you find is uh, something else. A quite a large cavern. Um, in fact, I'm going to describe its, its uh, basic dimensions here uh, so we're on the same page. 
Um, from your current altitude, the ceiling is about 30 feet above you, so it's a very large cavern. Um, there is fungus all along these edges of a lake that is below you um, because you are on a bridge or moving towards a bridge that leads to a pavilion that sits over this lake. It sits 10 feet above the water's surface. I can tell you right now that the edge of this lake uh, is very steep. It is not a gradual slope, so it appears as though it would sink you straight into the water very quickly uh, and be very difficult to climb out. And this pavilion is about 35 feet in length, north to south, 15 feet wide, uh, though it has angled edges from the top and bottom. And uh, there is another bridge to the north that leads to a door. And most importantly, and Lady Gilda is the only one who's seen this so far, I believe, that there is a flickering fire in the middle of the pavilion, and when stepping through to take a look, catches the gaze of a feral-looking bestial man with a wolf next to him. And he stands up, and the wolf gets to its feet as they eye you. He is pale and pasty, and you get a big whiff even in this stale space of mushrooms and sour sweat. The man takes an odd stance and staggers around the fire slightly. The wolf takes a stance with its head lowered and you hear a growl coming from their direction. Gilda, what do you do? This is uh, not really her area of expertise. She is fine at diplomacy, but I do not think that that's something she excelled in in her skill or uh, in her schooling. So I think she's going to raise her shield and her hands up and above her head. Because it doesn't, I mean, it seems like these people are a threat, but they also appear to be taking defensive postures based on how you've described it. Mm Mm-hmm. So she's going to make a big, slow show of that so Tulak and Physic behind her in the doorway can see it. And then in common, uh, I feel like it's it's about time I start specifying what language I'm speaking in. <laughs> Actually, sorry, before you manage to speak, you, you do this gesture, and this man continues to stagger forward in that um, pseudo-defensive posture. Uh, it, it, he looks as though he is... Um, ready to uh, react um, and avoid uh, being uh, backed into a corner, let's say. That's that's like the vibe you get, and it's very specific because it's almost like, despite the fact he's, he's bipedal, he seems to be very much mirrored by the wolf. And he gets a little bit farther south along the pavilion and closer to a straight line from you, and the wolf kind of circles around the fire and it keeps it a little bit of distance uh, from him and once he gets to that edge of the pavilion you you have this posture and he's eyeing you just focused on you and while maintaining his stance he lifts his head up and just goes <laughs> and the wolf responds and he just continues with these wild howls and barks at you. 
she will then step back so that uh, Tulak has a better view of everything that's happening. I think this is going to be your show here, Tulak. Chill, chill. <laughs> Super excited. Um, if she steps back because Tulak is just to the east of Gilda, he will just switch positions with her to be the front of the line. Uh, so mirroring Gilda, Tulak raises his hands and says, We do not wish to intrude. Speak to us. How long have you been here and what is your name? And I'd like to make a diplomacy check if possible. Okay. Uh, is this a secret check? Uh, I will attempt to aid as well. All right, we'll go ahead and roll it open. Ooh, as a 24. Okay. And sorry, Gilda said she was going to try to aid? Yeah, she'll try and aid. Um, I have a plus four to this roll, but I accidentally rolled it privately. Uh, okay. Oh, I see it. Okay. Um, this man uh, jerks its head back towards uh, the entrance of the store here and... Uh, finally seeing Tulak for the first time and its eyes narrow and it kind of blinks and shakes its head and he says this this is my territory you he shakes his head blinking again seeming a bit confused you are not welcome. Go. You trespass. My home. Go. And the wolf's like... <sighs> we did not wish to intrude upon your home, nor trespass, but we do wish to pass. May we have your blessing to move through your territory. It is yours and yours alone, and we... Do not impede you in this. Can I ready an action? Sure, yeah. I'd like to ready a stride. If he makes any movement, I essentially just want to step out in front of Tulak. I also have an action I want to do when you're ready. The man uh, loosens his posture a bit. and sort of looks around your shoulder to lock towards Gilda to, to make sure that she's still taking um, a defensive or like posture of peace. Um, and it seems that that aid was successful because it focuses his eyes back to lock. It says, this is only safe place. You make it dangerous. But I, we, we are dangerous too. It's at that point that Gilda tenses the muscles in her legs and gets ready to spring just in case anything happens. But her shield is still, and her hands are still completely empty and visible, but she's definitely taking like an athletic posture. And like Tulak, he's he's 
he's sort of struggling to speak, which might be pretty clear, and organize his thoughts to communicate with you. So you, you get the feeling that maybe he has not purposely avoided your question, but mm. he's like struggling to, to communicate. You got them pointy ears. Throw up a Vulcan mind meld. <laughs> so, I would like to do like a perception check. I just want to know what's going on with this guy. What um, ancestry is he, or what does he look like other than just being feral? Yeah. Um, Let me ask. His ancestry uh, is wolf brother, and he may be kin to Paranebara. <laughs> wish <laughs> um you can roll me a uh nature check or a society check or an arcana check actually oh hell yeah um and uh two or physic mm. i would like you to roll me your lore please Ooh. Uh, so I rolled extremely poorly. <laughs> That's a 13. And Physic with a 10 on the die for the Otari lower rolled a 19. Physic, you're 40 years old, according to your character sheet. Have you lived in yeah, Otari all your life? Yes. When you were about 10 years old, there was a string of murders in Otari. Oh, shit. And it was found out that it was someone hiding with the druids at the Stone Ring Pond. And this is Jal Mesbin, the werewolf that killed Kilino Lathanar's wife, Ayla, 30 years ago. Oh my god. The last anyone saw of him, he leapt off of the Otari Cliffs into the sea and was presumed dead. Only Kilino believes him alive. Wow. So he'll turn to the others and say, hey. This is, what was his name again? Jal Mesman. Jal Mesman. He killed Kalina Lathner's wife. Last anyone had seen of him, he leapt off a bridge. I think Kalina's the only one who thinks he's still alive. A cliff. A cliff, not a bridge. Yeah, like a huge drop. Yeah, why, why does that? But, but nature's bridges. <laughs> the edge of nature's bridges. <laughs> <laughs> You silly bitch. <laughs> and like he didn't just kill Ayla. He there was a string of murders, and it was a very it was a mystery for a while. Hmm. And can he like does he know anything more about the uh the character himself? Like No. It, no, no. Just that that's the that's the guy. You have no Left real connection to the druids. You know the druids have been, you know, led by Warlowin for a while, who's been trying to mend the relationship between them and the town. And only Kilino's really the one that's the one that's the most uh um, resistant. Um, but um everyone presumes this guy's dead. This is a basic practically a generation ago. Question. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is it confirmed that he killed her and did the murders, or was that just suspected? It it was confirmed. Okay. Okay. This this guy was is a is a murderer or was. It's been thirty years. So how many murders since then? Uh yeah, so yeah, physical just like very, very quietly to the others. Like, well, 
this guy's known around town. He, he killed a lot of people. He might also be a werewolf. So let's be careful here. So he's original bad bad. <laughs> and as as you're sort of feeding this information, there's a little bit of deliberation. He's getting more and more restless. Okay. Is lycanthropy a common affliction? Uh, no. No, it wouldn't be no. common. So he's human then? He is human. For now. So Tulak says again, we understand the dangers here. In fact, the danger is why we are here. We are looking to rid this place of evil. We have no quarrel with you. And we'd like to leave you be. And we hope that you would return the favor. Roll me another diplomacy. 25. Yay. Nailing those. He relaxes his stance, but not really his his whole body language. What are you doing here? What sort of dangers do you face? They do not come here. I don't know why. This is why I live here. To be left alone. No foot traffic. Silence. Peace. Just me and the wolf. Pardon our interruption, then. We are simply here to remove the evil and the undead. They have been moving towards the ground level, towards the surface, and attacking innocent people. We simply wish to remove the plague upon the land. Innocent people. Innocent people. You seek those who kill innocent people. You're here for me, aren't you? You are here for me. You're lying. He's lying. The wolf. I assure you, sir, I know not your face. I do not know who you are, and you are of no business to me. We simply wish to find Belcora, or what is left of her, and her minions, and remove them. Stuff of legends. <sighs> Roll Stuff me of legends. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. Stuff of legends. How have you not seen what goes on here? How did you make it this far without seeing the undead? This place is riddled with them, and we just wish to destroy them. You look alive. You look well. We have no quarrel with you. That's a two on the die for a 12. Oh, no. Hero point. I kind of knew I was treading in dangerous territory when I was talking about the innocence and killing and all that, but I thought maybe I could dodge my way around it. Mm. I feel like a dummy right now because I meant to start this episode with a round of hero points for all the shit that happened in the last couple episodes because there was a lot of cool-ass shit. Then just so give it to me now. You can have it now and spend it if you like. <laughs> and everyone else, everyone else can have have one as well. Um, I mean, fight with Nagazarin, uh, guild this shit with like uh, steaming out and, and like having a hard time handling the situation. Like she's got a great emotional curves. I love it. 
and the whole thing with the ghost it failed but it was i there's i have stuff to kind of reveal on that we can talk about it later um but uh but it was really cool i just yeah i think everyone certainly deserves one so let's get it out of the way because it's really tough to remember when you're in the deep shit of the role play so uh yeah let's do it aka right, we're gonna need Freeman. it i use that now <laughs> okay immediately immediately natural one. <laughs> oh my god uh-oh. That's what you get for taking the bones I throw you. That was a 2, then a 1. So that's going to be a 12 and 11. He just turns back to his defensive posture, and the wolf starts to growl even further, and he just says, Go! You can't be trusted. You're here for me. Go back. Go back. It is my home. Do not return. There's another way down that, that we've found, right? Oh, yeah. I'm not yeah. attached oh, yeah. to this at all. Okay. Yeah, let's maybe bail. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone slowly backs away. <laughs> yeah, Tulak is kind of like motioning to like behind him to go backwards and he takes a five foot step back and closes that door oh boy and you can hear the howls just like pounding against that closed door and uh and if you're making your way back up the stairs you just it it takes a while for you to no longer hear the echo of those sound waves it's clear uh that Whoever Jaw was is now, you know, not exactly sane. Sounds like he's having a rough time. Oh, oh boy! Woof. Was that a, was that a pun that I didn't get? Oh, rough? like oh, rough like a dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? It, it was so bad before. It's even better <laughs> after we had to go over it. Yeah. <laughs> he might he might have gone gotten over his rough time if Raphael was here. All right. All right. It was bad enough the first time. <laughs> I like to make it worse. It's what I do. <laughs> um, cut, cut all this. Who's Okay. So um, as they return upstairs, Tulok turns to them and says, "Yes, I hoped for a better outcome there. I even hoped to gather some information from him, but obviously he has lost his mind." Somewhere to avoid for now. Though, if he is the murderer, perhaps we should either try to kill it or capture it as well. Might do us some good in town. Colino Lathner might have uh, some thoughts about the matter. He'd skin him alive if he had half the chance. Well, he might help us get down here if he had the chance. Well, I say that we could kill him and bring him back in a more humane way than being skinned alive in the marketplace. You know it would be more humane than killing him and bringing him back? Just letting him exist. He seems at peace. He doesn't seem too much of a threat to anything. And he stays where there's nothing to interact with but his wolf doesn't seem like he's doing anyone any harm yes but he has done harm he's done much harm to the people of otari just because it's in the past does not wash him of this no but he's clearly a troubled man and i think the mental affliction has probably done 
taken its toll. I, I understand that he's to answer for his crimes, but can you think of a punishment more fitting than in a haunted dungeon living by yourself? Isn't that what we just do to him anyway in Otari? So your mercy is to let him be a torture soul, having gone through a life of taking lives from others. I, I, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> I don't think it, uh, Kalino Lathano should have to still wonder what happened to this man. No, I, you're, you're right, and we shouldn't lie. But that doesn't mean we need to bring him in. I'm not bringing him anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. This is, a, this is a very lawful conversation, thematically. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, Physic, your, your character sees as lawful good, but I don't think you're lawful good, are you? I thought you were neutral good. Yeah, that was neutral good. Or neutral or chaotic good. But like both Tulak and and Lady Gilder are neutral good, which I find this I find it so cool and interesting that you guys are at odds a little bit. Just a little bit on this. <laughs> I love it. But it, it's cool because it, it works because like you Otari's your home and, and you know it has a little bit more meaning to you, Tulak. I think that for Tulak it also he is slowly becoming a little more hardened, even though the time not much time has passed in the dungeon. He's seen some shit, and I think that it's starting to affect him. His powers are starting to... I don't want to say they're making him dark, but it's making him... I don't know. Yeah, harder. Definitely harder. Harder is a good word, yeah. Because, like, if you want to be a lawman, you got to be hard in some ways, right? Sort of ideas. So it's like you want to, you know, go by the rules. Sometimes, you, sometimes that's the, the better route. you got to be hard to do it. And, I, you know, it may not be making him dark, but he's definitely in a dark place mentally. Imagine waking up one morning and being able to make zombies by accident. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know, and he has this voice in his head murmuring that he doesn't understand. And, you know, he is very conflicted on where he stands in the world. So, yeah, he's... yeah. I mean, this is a black and white situation to any lawful citizen of Atari, so it makes sense mm-hmm. that it's something he'd want to grab onto. Any port in the storm, right? Mm. So, I mean, as you make your way back to the restricted library here, and um, you know, All Grail has taken some time to gather up uh, a better pile of the, of the ghouls you've defeated, and um, and he's sort of rooting through some of the books. Um, and getting a feel for the library and it's in the organization. It's in, in some pretty big disarray at the moment. Um, cause, uh, it was clearly went through a, a fight and then they were trying to reorganize and, and reconstruct, but he's just sort of busying himself about the books. Agrail, have you found anything of note in this room? I came across, uh, a few more books on your list for uh, your friend and the surface. And he finds he found six more books from Orlamin. Nice. But uh, it's a bit of a mess in here. It'll take me some time to to get it organized for proper research. Uh, that does not mean you can't research, but um, uh, once these libraries are organized, you get like a plus one item bonus to your research. So you just lack that in this room for now. Makes sense. We've been gone for like four minutes. Mm. Yeah, it's going to take them hours. 
Yeah. Now we searched the room to the north where we had the fight with the cultists, right? And there was nothing in there? Yeah. Okay. Tulok as well is feeling like he didn't... He's a little bummed about the situation with the ghost down in the south. So he turns to Physic and Lady Gilda and says, I wish things had gone better with this ghost to the south. I attempted to use information that we had against it, but I don't know if that will work. Last time we faced the ghost and I had to do the book binding, it if I bent to their will, it made them disappear. And I wonder if this will be the same. And I think I would like to roll, if possible, a spirit lore, just to see if what he's thinking would be true that if he plays along with their skit with their with their scenario if that would mm-hmm. help okay yeah okay and that's a 23 by the way uh right okay so uh i spoke to scott a little bit off mic about this um because i thought it was really interesting how the two scenarios went down um and um the first scenario with the ghost with Jarrell was a bit of a group effort metagaming wise and um, and this one was a little bit more on on Scott, and uh, it it went better than you suspect. Um, he said some of the right things and took some of the right motions uh, that like uh, the way some of these ghosts are written, um, they're meant to attack pretty quickly and then regenerate and you give them another try. But I I, I like the flavor of like this is a bit of a, a weird, non-specific social puzzle with a, with very few hints. You already have a basic understanding that ghosts are stuck there because of some unfinished business. Something has has trapped them there. In Jarrell's case, it was quite literal. Like, just felt like her work was incomplete, her actual work. Um, in this case, it's a little little less obvious. Um, and uh, what I what I did give this is a peek behind the curtain was that um, was that y- you you sort of pretended to be in this in in um, the world that this ghost thought they were in. It just didn't buy your lies. Um, so you're on the right track, Scott, for for that idea. Um, and with your spirit lore, you you feel like, you know, playing along is to your benefit because it will reveal more information. And while this isn't always true, um, truth can sometimes be the necessary thing in uh, freeing a ghost from its torment. Um, it may not un- it, it may not realize that its unfinished business is in fact finished or unfinishable. And whatever is attached to ghosts, uh, it's about realization and understanding. And uh, it's not always like tangible and right in front of their face. Um, that's about as much as I can give you. I'm more confused because <laughs> I was kind of hoping that you were just going to say, yeah, go in there and do some scribe work. <laughs> I mean, I'm, halt, I am halt, suggesting halt you do that because following along to a degree will, I will reveal more is the idea to some, you know, at least you feel like that's the case in this case. Like that's what you did before. And it sort of just worked itself out. And in this one, you know, you're thinking maybe the same thing, but maybe it just won't work itself out, but maybe you'll have more to go on. Halt, ghost. You've grown up to be your mother, despite not beyond to be anything like that. <laughs> Maybe we just tell her that Azenray and Borbo are dead. 
and that we're 400 years in the future or that see what happens you ever see be cool i mean oh, i have it. it's been on my list lately man oh because you keep talking about it and i was like i need to watch it <laughs> is that like the sequel to get shorty yeah yeah okay i haven't seen either but heard good things never say more than you have to if that <laughs> if that okay <laughs> yeah that's that's uh john travolta's like catchphrase in the movies <laughs> How about Tony Montana? I always tell the truth, even when I lie. <laughs> okay. So you're going to go for another round? Well, yeah, he's going to, well, he's going to talk to them. Do you mind if I have another try with this ghost? I'd like to put the spirit at rest and figure out whatever information or puzzles they have for us. Yeah, you do you. Gilda will help uh, with Agrel's assistance help reorganize this restricted part of the library while you do that um, I don't see this ghost as being a threat unless you make the mistake of entering the room so mm-hmm. we've all seen the opening scene to Ghostbusters it can go south <laughs> real quick ooh yeah. library ghost <laughs> okay so. Tulak cracks the door and steps into the room All right. And the scene sort of replays itself with this purple-hued woman floating up and down the room, peering over invisible shoulders of people working in the carols. And when she spots you, she says the same thing. You must be the new scribes. Disrespectfully tardy. Not a great start. Sit and begin transcribing. She motioning towards the stack of old crumbling tomes and all the carols and goes on and on about how the highest of quality of work is needed and she will suffer no fools and you will make mistakes and you will face the repercussions. And she floats away looking at all of the other carols like with a smug of satis- a smug look of satisfaction on her face. Um, she continues her patrol. My apologies, mistress. Which tome would you have me transcribe? Just pick a spot that is empty, you fool. And start. Uh, Tulak will inspect the books and are they all just like crumbling and gone oh, yeah. or yep. yeah. <laughs> yeah there's nothing of quality here uh, the only thing you see is the, the shiny um, uh, is it armor I believe on the skeleton that sits to the south yeah shiny chainmail. Tulak says mistress all these books are illegible but they sent me Illiterate scribe? This is ridiculous. When Tulak enters the room, Gilda will stop what she's doing immediately and take up a defensive position at the doorway. Very careful not to enter, but as close as she possibly can be without interacting with this scene. The damage to these books is quite complete. The only damage I see is your greasy fingers on them. Get to work. Why are you wasting time? Tulak will move to a desk towards the end of the room, passing 
the skeleton and would like to inspect it on the way by. Okay. And uh, she seems to go back about her her um, her business, peering over these invisible shoulders and lets you pass. Um, and all the all the carols look the same. They're all just worn, dry inkwells, musty tomes that are crumbling. And the skeleton. The skeleton um, is wearing uh, chainmail and clutching a a portrait, a, a sort of small portrait of a handsome drow. Tulak would like to scoop the portrait up as he walks by, as sneakily as possible. Oh boy! Okay. Um, Starting to think it's not that sneaky. <laughs> okay, that's gonna be uh, certainly a thievery check, and uh, it's gonna be a steal action, and it's gonna be against my perception DC. Sheesh. Yeah, fuck it. Uh, I'm gonna cast guidance on myself. Uh, okay. Stop smiling like that, Freeman. It's making me nervous. <laughs> That is a adjusted 20 for the thievery. As if on a heel that doesn't exist, she turns and whips her head towards you. What are you doing? What do you mean? You just took something. Hid it in your cloak. From where? You give that back now. But what is this on the ground? Do you think me a fool? Who is this body? Who is this... Do you not see the skeleton in front of you? Why aren't you... Why aren't you working? What has happened here? How long have you been here? I am here as... As long as it serves my mistress and... And my lo- love... And... And... And her servant. Her servants. She's clearly stumbling and struggling with the situation here. As in Ray. How do you know his name? He's dead. What? And so are you. What? This corpse on the floor. It's yours. She slowly turns her head to the skeleton. He's... It's... He... He abet He abandoned me. No. You simply both perished. But he moved on, and you did not. Perhaps no. you should leave this place and find him. No, you are wrong. He may wait for you in the boneyard. He does not. How do you know? You are right, young scribe. He moved on. But to serve his mistress. He would not join me. Even when she was dead. Is that why you waited here? I wait because... Yes. That is why. That is why I have waited. You are so wise. 
to show my eyes. I am dead. And I have nothing here for me. You may be free. There's nothing holding you here now. Go to the boneyard. Move on. See the life after death. And I hope you were judged fairly for your actions. She has this look of confused horror on her face. But, like, is acknowledging these truths. And she backs away and turns towards this sort of blank wall between um, where there are no carols next to her body. She says, yes, I must, I must be on my own and depart. And she moves towards the wall and enters through it and is gone. Tulok immediately would like to inspect where she went through. Turns out it's the platform to a Harry Potter train. <laughs> yeah, you go over to the wall and there is uh, a sort of desk next to it. Um, you search around the wall a little bit and then you you realize that if you if you fold up this shelf on the carol, it activates a mechanism and opens a door in the wall. You also notice now that uh, you've had a have a moment that uh, next to the corpse or to the skeleton is a small pile of books that appear to be in reasonably good shape. Magic books. All right. Uh, what do you want to look at first? Do you want to check out the room? Do you want to... I think Tulak will move into the room first. Okay. You check the room. The door's open and there is no sign of the ghost. The room has a workable table covered with blank scrolls and papers. It sits against, sits against the eastern wall. And while to the north there is a, um, uh, a cabinet with several closed drawers. Tulak shouts back to Gilda and Physic. She's gone. Come. There's much to see here. And we'd like to search the room. You really do know your way around ghosts there, don't you, Tulak? I think there might be a future for you in this yet. You just wander around, putting spirits to rest. We practically busted that ghost. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. You could, you could help them write letters and and <laughs> and and communicate with their families. You could be the ghostwriter. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Someone get a pottery wheel. It is strange. I feel an affinity for these ghosts. I wish to put them to rest. But I also wish to protect ourselves from them, so hopefully moving forward, my luck will continue. I do not know how I can communicate with them so well, but I will try to continue. So, uh, j just before we get back to um, uh, checking out the, the stuff, uh, in an effort to say what I was saying earlier, 
points, uh, we're throwing some hero points again. Uh, awesome role play on that, Scott. Um, yeah, you nailed that, man. Yeah, you uh, you nearly didn't. <laughs> but uh, another hero point's got to go to James for calling the fact that it was it was pointing out the deaths of her and, and her love, um, or 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 something uh, like it. Um, that was really really important. I called that. Um, you you sort of called it. Yeah, you said telling telling her that Volik and Belko are dead. Uh, maybe that was an option. So somewhere in there, um, yeah. Uh, she seemed to already know, but uh, she didn't really seem to realize that she had been killed. I'll, that was I'll a lot more it. satisfying, that's for sure, than yeah. last time. I was pretty bummed <laughs> out after it because I thought I had it going on, and then yeah. I didn't. Yeah. So Tulak was not concerned about failing last time. He just you know knew he could try again. Player mm-hmm. Scott was fucking pissed. Yeah, you literally <laughs> messed that up with stealing that uh, stealing that that uh, portrait. <laughs> that was that was a a bad move. I knew it was a risk. <laughs> The genuinely bad move, but you turned it around, which is great. All right, so what do you want to look at first? You've got the remains of of this uh, of this skeleton, uh, books next to it, this new room. You've you've taken the portrait already. Um, what do you want to look at? Tulak is going to search the room. Okay, the office room. It's a little secret room. Yeah. Yeah, uh, blank scrolls and everything on the desk. Uh, the the cabinet has five drawers that are all locked. Uh, physics gonna search the skeleton. Okay, roll me a perception check, please. No, I said. Okay, you twisted my arm. <laughs> Sixteen. Okay, so you search the uh, the skeleton and you find the it's got a, a chain shirt, still wearing it. Um, and, uh, as you're searching through, you actually spot a tiny iron key that is attached to, um, uh, an old withered belt. Oh, guys, I found a belt. (laughs) (laughs) With a key on it. (laughs) Ah, Fizzik, pass me the key. There's locked drawers in here. And he will do exactly that. And it pops each drawer open. No biggie. You find a couple more books from Morlebent within and an unusual piece of parchment. It's um, written in brutal gothic characters and it is in fine, uh, small print in great detail. Um, Does anyone speak? Actually, tell me what what languages you do speak. (laughs) Elven, Abyssal, Necrol. Elven, Orcish, and Sylvan. Hey. Goblin, Isoki, and Abyssal. Okay, none of you speak this language. I could do a society check to try and identify what language it is. Uh, yeah, to try and decipher which language it is, sure. Yeah. Uh, you do sense magic off it, by the way. Scooty McBooboo. Okay. Tulak passes it to around and says, Do many of you speak this language? And do you recognize it? Hopefully, then I cannot read or write. <laughs> all that reading in med school did you in. That is a cut that no one is going to get unless they're, unless they're Canadian in a very specific <laughs> age group. <laughs> oh my god. Holy shit. <laughs> 
James, you're doing are you in a society check? Sorry. Yeah, I'll uh, do it. Sorry, I was just looking up a decipher writing sure. real quick. Yeah. And with the GM's permission, I can decipher text in an unfamiliar language using society, but it's not a standard use of it. Yeah, we've done it before. Uh, we first misused it uh, when reading Aklo on the scratchings in the Hall of Portraits uh, on the service. So I, I'm okay with it. I'm happy with it. Um, it's okay to have a passing idea of like what the language might be. You might be able to decipher any of it what it says. But. And Tulak would like to touch Lady Gilda's forehead as she's inspecting it and join past to try to aid. Not an aid. Classic. You're on no. That is a 15 for Gilda. Uh, yeah, I think it's enough for you to realize that it's probably infernal. Ooh. Making deals with the devil. I don't know exactly what it is. The, the script is a little sharper than what you would normally think of. And it looks like it's a touch derivative of Dwarven or Draconic. They, they all share common ancestors. The, the languages do. Best guess, and that's really what it is, is infernal. Okay, conspiracy theory. Maybe this is the uh, agreement with... That's exactly what I was thinking, is the devil in the hallway that's right near the fucking stairway where we need to go down. Okay, because if that's what's going on here, Tulak just kind of, the wheels are turning, and... I would like to appease. Uh, I would like to plead to the GM to use <laughs> a society check in an attempt to disco- decipher text in an unfamiliar language. Um, it is the last line of the decipher writing. If this doesn't work, I'm just going to cast comprehend language. Yeah, so I was already in the middle of checking if you can read the language with that. <laughs> yeah, you can. Okay, but but. It would probably be better for James to go first just because it would be better than using a second level spell. Yeah, so if it's if it's a success, I understand the document, but I don't. I just get general meaning. Critical success is like a, a verbatim translation. And again, this is like a very weird use of it. Normally you would use, uh, it looks like you would use religion, arcana, uh, or occultism. Uh, arcana is arcane theory occult is occult topics including metaphysics uh, weird philosophies and coherent ramblings religion is religious nature uh, including allegories and proverbs and society is coding or text written in an incomplete or archaic form and in some cases text you don't know yeah I mean uh, considering all of those things I think society is still the most apt for the situation that's the only one I want to roll so it works for me yeah and Tulak is going to try to join Pass again. I think religion could work as well. Um, and maybe Arcana, but a society feels right for me, given the situation and who's trying to decipher. And it's my best skill next to athletics. Yeah. <laughs> so Tulak on the aid rolls a 20 fucking 5. Holy jeez. Nice. So it's a plus 2. Is that right? Yeah, we'll go so, for yeah. a plus 2. We're getting okay. to the point now where AIDS DCs are higher. Um, but, you know, so like swap 15 to 20 a little bit in your head, but it, it's always GM discussion. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, that is a 23 plus two is a 25. It 
It, uh, the way it's structured uh, reminds you of many pieces of paper you've seen um, probably on your father's desk. Um, and it very much reads like, or seems to read like a contract. Well, it's, again, best guess here. Uh, this, well, this paragraph could, wait, and it might infer. <laughs> you know what? This, this could be a legal document of sorts. The way the address is written on the top right. And then there's, <laughs> there's three signatures and a notary stamp at the bottom. I think that, I think this could be a contract. This might be the devil's contract that I accidentally promised him I'd find. <laughs> yes, I can see the boilerplate now. We've been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like, f- one, two, three, burning forever lane, uh, ninth circle of hell. That's <laughs> the address. <laughs> now, I guess we have to determine if it belongs to this devil or the one above. Oh, right. I forgot about the Barbazu. The Barbazu is in this level. The Zibub's on level the one. Zibub. Or level two, sorry. Right. I forgot about the Zibub. He's a mean little prick. Yeah, I'm hoping that it's not him, because fuck him. And the other guy has more oh. interesting shit going on. The other guy's a much bigger threat as well. We beat the Zibub. Well, well. uh, Physic, do you know? Do you speak Infernal? Can you read Infernal? Tulak? I... Should we take it back to town? I can't even get out of my gym contract. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I love the idea that, like, our Otari's best kept secret is, that, is there's a local gym that's just sapping everybody. <laughs> that's why the Crooks Nook started, because they yeah. are behind on their gym, gym fees. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like all the hu- hustle and bustle you hear in that is just them doing like kettlebells <laughs> okay so Tulok you know what fuck it he wants to know exactly what's going on here cast comprehend language uh, alright he's casting the spell um, so he's staring at this piece of parchment with these letters that he does not recognize and cannot read and as this kind of purple light flashes in front of his eyes and over the paper. He can now make out the words. And it is meticulously detailed, painfully so. Uh, it, it's the driest read you've ever you've ever come across in all your reading. Um, the worst and most boring direct prose you've ever read. The Dawnflower Library has nothing on this piece of paper. And it is so very much a contract. How long do you want to read it for? Do you want to try and like read the whole way through or? No, he uh, wants to scan through and see if the name Carlock okay. Barbazu is on mm. it. <laughs> Last name Barbazu. <laughs> is that, I think, I think that's what it is. That's what my notes say. Or is that no, what type of devil he it is? He is a Barbazu, yeah. That's <laughs> a type a of bitch. devil. Uh, Carlock is his name. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you scan through for the names. It's uh, either Korlock or Zoslerin, um, and uh, it appears to be a binding agreement between Belcora and Korlock. Sick. Uh, this does belong to the devil on this floor. Perhaps we return with it. Lady Gilda, you were the one who made the promise? 
Perhaps you shall grant him his freedom and hands you the parchment. I think he'll be about as shocked as I am. But let's let's make our way. All right. Uh, do you want to check anything else out before you leave this area? Yeah, I mean, there's. Uh, we need those books. You said there was a bunch of books that were not rotten. Uh, yep. There's also the uh, the chain shirt that's shiny. Yep. If you check out the books, uh, there is one uh, more book for Mor- Morlebent. Finding all kinds today. Um, and there's also three very particular books. Secrets of the Skull, What the Worm Knows, and Grave Feasts. Those are on our list, are they not? These are the ones you've been looking for for a while. Yeah, you've been looking for these books since since you first entered level two. This is where you found those um, that, sh- that sheet of paper um, that was asking for these books to be transcribed. And here you find them in a scriptorium. If you take a quick look at Secrets of the Skull, it appears to be a treatise on Grotus, god of the end times. Uh, what the worm knows appears to be a treatise on one of the great old ones, demigod of the dark tapestry Hastur the king in yellow its contents is nearly unintelligible and where it can be understood touches on subjects of heinous self-indulgence and nihilism I think that book might feature prominently in strange aeons uh I would be surprised if it did because I personally made this connection myself okay from the book the actually Benjamin didn't actually tell me what the book was about that would be fun, though, if I did that by mistake. <laughs> well, yeah, well, Haster, the, the king in yellow, is... Yeah. Never mind. Spoilers for Strange Aeons. <laughs> yeah, the adventure path that's been out for a decade. <laughs> yeah. God damn it, James. <laughs> God damn it. And finally, Grave Feasts is um, quite the volume. Um, and it has meticulous annotations throughout in beautiful penmanship. And it basically covers a ritual, a very detailed ritual. And when a spellcaster with a strong personality, a lust for life, and remorselessly evil soul dies and is buried in a graveyard infused with eldritch magic, a strange phenomenon can occur, according to this book. The decaying body fattens and instructs the very worms that feast upon it. These grave worms thrive not only on the consumption of the spellcaster's dead flesh, but on their corrupt memories and magical power. The spellcaster's very soul is consumed in this vile process, only to be split apart into fragments that inhabit each of the individual worms. The result is a hideous hive mind of slivering life known as a worm that walks a mass of worms that clings to the vague shape of the body that granted it this new existence and can use the powers and magic the spellcaster had in life. A worm that walks retains memories of its life as a spellcaster before its death, but it is not undead. It is a hideous new form of undulant life. The annotations throughout show that there are alternate ideas presented the feeding of a living creature rather than a dead one into a vat filled with ritually prepared leeches. 
I wonder if that's what attacked us in the throne room. Also, should we maybe call somebody about Mordlement? These books are some dark shit. <laughs> like, why does he want these? Well, no, these aren't the ones he wants. Oh, okay. Those those go untitled. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. He he was looking for every single version of chicken soup for the blind yeah. soul. I, yeah. I believe <laughs> this was Volok's list. Soul. Uh, yeah, this was Volok's list. And uh, I believe Tulak asked Morlevent about this list, and Morlevent was like, I don't know anything about these, but I suspect they're a very dark nature, and they truly are. And Tulak is going to tuck those in the bag of holding. Um, and is anyone going to roll me a check on that chain shirt? Yeah, I will. It's a, do you want a magical check? Uh, it will be magical, yes. 14. Somebody else step a, up and do it. That's a, no, it's a me to beat. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Tulak rolled a 26 to aid. It's a plus one chain shirt. Yay. I'm just going to take that. That's actually pretty robust for a fucking librarian. Uh, yeah, I can't wear armor, so... I didn't realize you had the noisy trait on everything you do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We talked about it a, a, a few episodes back, or a little more than a few, I think. Everywhere she go, she'd make a noise. You guys can't really yeah. sneak up on much. That's why I never stealth. And that's why sh- I, I tried to have Shad never stealth. But uh, she will uh, step into the office, close the secret door, change into the plus one chain mail, and then leave <laughs> her regular chain mail because it turns into three bulk in this room. And uh, she's ready to go now. <laughs> Investing is a downtime activity, right? Uh, no, uh, if you get it fully equipped, it's invested. Oh, really? Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they don't put any weight on it, because why the fuck would you? Fuck off, 5 <laughs> One also, hour time. I forgot. Let's go. Okay. I will be taking the defend action. Oh, yes. Uh, okay. James, don't forget that we have that, uh, slippery thing. I haven't. Now now we could actually apply it to this, which is perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Gildo will lead the way back to uh, Carl's. Back to Corlock? Carl's? <laughs> we can't have two Carl's. <laughs> back, back to Carl's cell. Oh, the other, wait. The other guy was Kevin, wasn't it? Carl Kevin, became yeah. Kevin? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Because one was Andre Brower and the other there was Mark Evan Jackson. <laughs> Whatever you say. That, that's actually good. Good call back to the actors uh, <laughs> from Brooklyn Nine-Nine there. Yeah. Well done, James. Uh, Kevin and uh, Raymond Holt. Uh, right. Uh, Gilda <laughs> will, like, brandish the contract and, like, f- flap it around in the door before actually stepping foot in here. <laughs> you get a peek inside, and there's Corlock just leaning on his glaive, and he's, like, marking one more scratch on the wall. And you can see here, uh, I want to give a shout-out to a fella named Mark Pierce. He's the author of a module that's added some extra tile things to at least the first book here. And I hope he does the extra books. This room is now bigger, which is pretty cool. Um, and he's just created tile stuff that I can just drag onto the map that perfectly matches Narky's maps, um, which are really cool. So this gives you a little more space to look at. And you can see the amount of marks on the floor now. Um, of him having marked his time here it's like 500 years practically yeah. <laughs> the poor guy and uh, he raises an eyebrow at the flapping of this parchment in the doorway I forget what voice I gave him but I assume it was something like what is that I'm a devil 
Was that Patrick Warburton? They call me. Seinfeld? They call me Corlock Barbazool. I live on one, two, three, boarding forever lane. Uh, Carlock, Car we believe, and I guess have confirmed that this is your contract. You let us go in good faith that we would find it. We have found it, and we now have no idea what to do with it. You may recall that I also said you would not leave this room again unless our agreement was met. Are you sure it is mine? Not sure enough to step into the room, because I do remember the agreement. But if you read Infernal, you're more than welcome to uh, confirm. You know what, Tulok, Physic, you two stay out here. I'll step into the room in case this goes badly. But I do absolutely trust your magical prowess and your ability to read Infernal, Tulok. But just in case I'm wrong, maybe the two of you read out here. Tulok nods, but he's confident. Uh, and she steps into the room, still brandishing the contract, still taking the defend action. He gets up from uh, his his position and, and kind of stretches his arms and shoulders out a bit and, and takes a step forward to meet you with a, a slight sense of eagerness, but you, you can suspect he's probably a little bit doubtful. And he grabs the contract from your hand um, rather rudely. She, she like aggressively keeps a hold of it because she doesn't know what's going to happen if he gets his hand on it. <laughs> so you're just holding on on one end each. <laughs> and it's so shockingly sturdy <laughs> given it's a magical contract. Like, no. So he probably made a human scale. <laughs> and he starts perusing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ah, there it is. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he looks up at you, Lady Gilda. You see, there's always a loophole in an infernal contract. Mine ended after 99 weeks and 99 days without a new order from Belcora. I could have left a long time ago. <laughs> and a big beaming smile comes across his face. His beard is like weird, technically beard wriggling, his teeth showing. But first... I have some unfinished business. And with a puff of smoke and a smell of brimstone, he vanishes. I believe the uh, copyrighted term is bamf. (laughs) He bamfs, exactly, (laughs) (laughs) out of the room. And then bamfs back with Zoslerin in his hand. And he just shoves his glaive straight into Zoslerin's body and just, like, slices him in two. He's like, Ah-ha-ha-ha! and there's just guts and spew all over the place. And he just spits on the ground and goes, Filthy creatures, Zebubs, I loathe them. <sighs> and he turns back to you, Lady Gilda. You helped me. I will give you something in return. Beware below. There is a devil, a Fistophilus, a contract devil. Shrewd, he is. 
but known for keeping his word. Do not forget this. His name is Eurevian. And he bamps out of there. Gone before your eyes. And you all level up. Oh, fuck. Whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, that's what we're going to call it. We'll see you next time. Hell yeah. <laughs> Fucking rights, dude. That took me by surprise. Stemming the Tide is an actual play podcast of the Adventure Path Abomination Vaults and is produced by the Uncharted North Network. Stemming the Tide uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Inc. used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. Stemming the Tide is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo. For more information about Paizo Inc. and Paizo products, visit paizo.com. Music is composed by Will Savino and artwork by Greyhood. Stemming the Tide is recorded remotely using Foundry Virtual Tabletop. If you wish to connect with us or support this project and projects to come, we can be found at unchartednorth.ca, patreon.com slash unchartednorth, and on all major social media platforms. Links to all credits can be found in the episode description and our website. Thanks for tuning in.